Hello. Good morning. Are you ready to conceive? I, um, don't know what you mean by that. We're going to make some ideas. Oh, okay. Well, then and I then suppose... we're going to put them together, and then we're going we're gonna to introduce a catalyst, and then something's going to light on fire, and then the confusion will abate. I, I, I've been awake for not long enough to... <laughs> but welcome uh, back to reality, dude. Where are you phoning in from? I'm phoning in from the grocery store across from the auto repair shop and the DMV. My car is currently in the shop to get its annual inspection, and it's only one and a half months late. So it's only been expired for one and a half months, so we're in good shape there. Um, and I'm going to the DMV today to get some other bullshit taken care of. Are you using the grocery store for anything besides a haven to make a call in? I think I'm going to buy a banana, um, but yes, it's mostly the haven to make a call in. <laughs> okay. So you are you are taking advantage of the entire community of facilities in the vicinity. That's good. That's correct, man. And as a matter as a matter of fact, the grocery store has a cafe area, which I currently am the only occupant of. So I'm pacing around the cafe. That is a marvelous use of resources. You behind that? I I I'm I'm very grateful to to the giant. Highly recommended. <laughs> Giant is the name of the grocery store. All right, man. <clears throat> now that we have that um, particular morsel out of the way, I think that that was very important to establish. I'm just sitting on my couch. Um, <laughs> but Perfect. Uh, so we are now far enough into February to kind of know what we want to do with February. I think you're right. I think I think that I'm a little bit late to the game here. Um, and, and the reason I wanted some more time was... You you told me what you were doing, and that made me think, man, I need to I need to think a little bit harder about this. So I took a couple extra days, and I'm going to do a short month this month, just a three week long month, um, during which I have like a certain scheme, and then I think around February 26th is when I'm going to uh, reevaluate. Any particular reason you picked that day? Uh, yeah, that's that's the last Sunday of the month, um, so that's that's when uh, March will officially start that okay. following Monday. Right. I wasn't sure if you had some kind of vacation or other disruption falling into place there. But no, nope, I'm still I'm still doing this month starts on a Monday thing, um, and, and March is going to be a big month for me because that is a month that I uh, that I turn 28 my birthday is march 1st well so that's going to be uh that's going to be another one of those arbitrary reflection times well happy preemptive birthday then thanks man i i'm gonna get you at least 15 dollars for your birthday um since i i completely stopped reporting on version one of this system before we even got started here we're looking at version yeah, two. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. So I um I like money, but I don't think I like getting money this way. Um, <laughs> and also, I think that um, if if we're giving money to each other because of our failures, it takes our goals and makes them well. It takes the incentives and makes them diametrically opposed to one another. If you lose, I win. 
and I don't really like that. That's fair. Um, so, so I was, I was thinking about ways to, to align our goals instead of make them uh, anti-parallel. Um, so that's one of the things I wanted to talk about today. Okay. Uh, where do we want to start, though? Do we want to talk about what our schema kind of look like? Uh, yeah, yeah. So could you go into detail on yours? Um, I could. The uh, The full docket should be up on machinationlog.com right now under the table version 2. But um, Oh, perfect. I will... I will go over the parts of it that are relevant here. Um, so there is the the concept in the table, in the schema that I'm calling the table, as opposed to the old one that was called the bag and chip scheme, um, is that there are three workspaces. There's the shelf, the table, and the book. Um, when I get an idea for something I want to do, it goes onto the shelf. When I'm ready to work on that idea, it goes to the table, and then when that idea has either been completed or exhausted in some way, it goes to the book. To put an idea on the table from the shelf, I have to state that idea as a goal. And a goal is just something that I can, I can measure. It's something that I can tell with some definition whether or not I'm going to complete it. Um, and when I come up with that goal, I have to... I have to establish why I want to achieve that goal. I need some kind of underlying motivations. Um, I need to map from that stated goal all the way back to a first step of some kind. Um, and I need to allocate time, money, and energy for the purpose. Uh, the last two on that, the, um, the map, I don't need to follow the map the whole time. The point of the map is to get started as rapidly as possible. It's sort of like the bag and chip scheme. It's like the chip where it's it's a more systematic version of the chip, where the chip is trying to find something that takes 15 minutes that I can do to push this objective forward. Um, the map just puts a little more logic in place. Um, it you know you you go from the last you go from B and you work your way all the back all the way back to A, where A is something you can do right now to actually make it happen. Uh, do you write the map out on a piece of paper? Do you type this out? No, um, what does the map normally look like, or is it just anything? I'm still trying to go all electronic with this stuff. Right now I'm using Evernote, sure. Um, sure. which was okay. the software I turned my back on a while back and uh, <laughs> have come back around on it for reasons sure. unknown. But uh, and it seems to be doing an okay job. Evernote's pretty good for shuffling notes around. It's sort of its gig, so... I've got those. Yeah. I've got that sorted out. I guess I could name the goals if I wanted. It, the The goals are in flux enough that I don't know they're necessarily terribly informative. I guess I can name a couple of them, um, just for examples. Um, I want to weigh sure. 180 pounds, which I want to have done by the end of this month. Um, I want to host a good panel at Furry Week in Atlanta, which is the next fur convention I'm going to. Uh, I want to have an opinion of the October surprise, which is a, uh, which is the conspiracy procession of conspiracies episode two. It's going to be about Reagan's mm -hmm. counter October surprise. So I want to have an informed opinion of that. There are things like that, and then we have the conditions. The conditions were what I were, what I was specifically giving Matt money for in the past. Although it sounds like Matt's got an idea for how we might rearrange this, but basically, this is what I want to do from the time I wake up until 4 p.m. 
all time is spent at the table, meaning that all the time that I have at my disposal has to be spent on one of the goals on the table. All funds are spent on the table, so I'm not allowed to spend money on anything that's not on the table or not contributing to something there. Uh, No goal will go more than two days without at least 30 minutes of productive attention. Um, preferably undivided attention. Now, earlier, earlier was that 15 minutes, and now you're upgrading that to 30? Yeah, it went from 15 to 30. Um, okay. You, the, time, the time parameter also changed to make it more sane. That was part of the reason I stopped reporting, because it was just impractical to... It was impractical to even determine whether or not I was spending 14 hours a day doing things that I should be doing. Like, that was just... That was too hard to mm-hmm. calculate. So, I just... I just scrapped that one um, and made it sure. a brick of time. And then number four, the new one, uh, sort sort of the new one. This is this is just a normative thing. And anyone who's listening to this over the NSA wiretap that I'm going to put out at machinationlog.com, um, this this objective this objective is basically f- from the uh, from the bag and chip scheme. And I I borrow a lot from the bag and chip scheme. Uh, I added a new goal called uh, uh, that goes no more than 400 calories, all of which must be from ketogenic sources. Ketogenic sources being oils, nuts, vegetables, that kind of stuff. Basically, no bread or sugar. Dur- during this wake up until yes. end time time yeah. frame, from wake up until 4 okay. p.m. Um, and then from there, I, I I could get into the minutia of what happens after four o'clock, but it's basically like my old bag and chip scheme. I have an evening shift, which is where I sort of assess what happened during the day, and w- unwind. And then I have the pasture where I do what I want. Um, the rest of that again can be read on the website, but uh, the meat, the the relevant part is the table. So that's that's what I'm. And doing. is it the case that during the evening shift, that's when you're allowed to to interact with the shelf and the book? Yes, the evening is when I take okay. stock of everything that's going on. So, so in particular, you're only interacting with the table during a day shift. Yes, that's the idea. I okay. could work. I I could Got work it. on stuff on the table later, but generally speaking, it's it's preferable to leave that stuff to the side so that there's some time away from it. Um, and sure. this cordons it off appropriately. Well, I like I like the the flexibility to continue with it in the night shift if you want to, but but that you also open up yourself to more just like okay, whatever in the later part of the day, including relaxation. Well, and that's the pasture is phrased as "do as you please," and what I please could mm-hmm. very well be things that are on the table. So, sure, sure. How about you? What do you got? Um, well, b- before we get into what I have, um, could, could we ask about what led to what led to the failure last time, and how this new version of the schema aims to get around that? Oh, uh, sure. Are we talking about the table, or are we talking about bag and chips? Because uh, talking about the, the the version of the table that that we did. <laughs> over last week that okay. ended up not being so successful? Um, it was rigidity. I mean, straight up. <laughs> my goals, my previous goals were that I needed to spend 14 hours a day on things in the table, which granted was easier before mm-hmm. because I I blew out the things on the table to include some uh, 
some very abstract concepts that shouldn't have been there, um, which are now at the very top of the schema. I have four basic tenets, um, which are things that they, they take precedent over any rule in the schema that conflicts with them. Um, and I, I, I won't be too explicit about them because I think they're mostly self-explanatory. Uh, they are be well, stay in touch, keep the roof up, and write. Um, and those, I'm allowed to do those at any time it makes sense to do them. So that, uh, there's, there's much more, even though there's a, there's more stricture to the time allocations in this, it's much easier to keep track of, which is always, the less bookkeeping you can do, the better. Um, and that's kind of what I'm hoping for with the newer version yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, I... I I think I think a lot of this. I think a vast majority of these results might just come from the knowledge that we are going to track it. I mean, it, we don't need to be so explicit, so rigid in how we track it. But instead, just the the fact that we're going to write something down at the end of the day about how the day went. I think that's where a lot of this magic comes from. I agree, and that's that's what I'm going to try and capitalize on for in my own life over the next month. I mean, you, you asked me a moment ago, okay, Matt, how are we changing things for you? That's that's one of the things that I'm going to start to do. Um, I'm going to continue with those metrics that we were talking about earlier. Um, but in addition to those metrics, things like, okay, did you go to bed on time? Did you read? And so on. I'm going to start just giving a broad rating to my day. So that's going to, there's going to be the objectives. That's the metrics that I have. But I'm introducing a little bit more subjectivity in the sense that I'm going to start writing down a rating for the day, one to ten. How did it go? And that's that. The definition of those ratings is going to change with time, but that's okay. Just the fact that I'm going to to give it a rating, I, I hope will help. Yeah. Well, it should take you a little ways out of. Um, it should take you a little ways out of your head when you're trying to be in it the whole time. That's actually part of the reason why the the um, the basic tenets, I originally just had be well, stay in touch, and keep the roof up. I added right because I want to give myself the leeway to try to step back and have slightly more perspective when necessary because I do find that, I, and this is, I, I forget which, uh, this is definitely a Tim Ferriss guest thing, Someone said, basically, if you tell people you're busy, you've lost control of your life. <laughs> I, I, I do, I do entirely believe that. Um, yeah. It's and the problem is, it's not that it, it's not that you can't necessarily have control of it. It doesn't. It doesn't feel entirely literal when they say that. It's it's more that it, the fact that you address what you're doing as busyness suggests that you're not doing the right things. It, it suggests that, that you, you are... thought about it, and, and you just kind of, you just kind of on autopilot, yeah. just kind of step back and, and reflect on it. So is that what you hope to achieve by, by writing? In particular, is this writing that you're talking about a journaling type of writing, or is it a different, is it all types of writing? All, all types of writing seem to help with it. Um, I had a decent, yeah, I, I call it a, a reliable force multiplier. Writing almost always gives you better perspective on whatever you're doing. Um, I find it to be 
almost a universal positive to write about things as you're doing them, after you're doing them, before you're doing them. Because um, it just mm-hmm. it gives you it gives you a much better clarity. Basically, um, and I could probably come up with a better pithy truism for this, but essentially, if you haven't written something down or explained it to someone, you don't really have an opinion on it. Um, because yeah. what's floating around in your head is basically just a concoction of emotions, and that has not anywhere near the form it needs to to be taken seriously. Right, yeah, externalizing it in some way, explaining it to someone, writing it down, making a recording, and so on, forces you to verbalize it, forces you to, to get it coherent. And you said that it's kind of floating around in your head. I totally agree with that. Yep. No, you catch, you catch all of your tremendously stupid but highly inspired ideas that way as well. <laughs> Man, all that stuff I was thinking about, it sounded so great in my head when it didn't actually even have a sound. Yeah. Now that I'm externalizing it, this is all just garbage. I need to totally rethink my life. Yeah, it, doesn't, it didn't even sound good. It just felt good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How was your week? Um, it was it was pretty good. Um, I have been reading. I've been uh, taking it easy. I've been spending less time on my computer because I've, I've put some restrictions on my web use. I'm also including my phone in that. My, my deletion of my web browser and email from my phone has been pretty good for just that, letting me experience some more boredom. Um, that's, that's one of the takeaways that I had from a book that I read recently, which was, uh, deep work from Cal Newport. Yep. He says that one of the things that's hurting us in general these days is that we're, we're not okay with, with being bored. And if we let ourselves be bored a little bit more, like, you know, you go to the bathroom, what do you do? You take your phone out and start looking at Reddit or something like that. No. Just kind of sit there and be bored for a minute. That's okay. And why, why are you doing this? Why are you being bored? Well, you're doing this so that when you're at the computer later, you're trying to do something that you really think is important, and the ideas aren't coming right away. Instead of clicking over to a different web page, you have this training with being bored so that you can sit there for a minute and just be a little bit uncomfortable so that you, the ideas can come. Um, that's one of the things that I've been focusing on lately, and I've been uh, I've been enjoying it actually. Oh, uh, definitely. It's a uh, it's it's one of the primary reasons why meditation is useful. I mean, mindfulness meditation is supposed to have a more grandiose goal. It's supposed to basically show you the <laughs> the void that connects the dots in your head, but the. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the other benefits of it is that it sort of is an enforced boredom. You you're not allowed exactly. to take it, well. You can you can take in the sensations around you, but you're not allowed to interact with them. Um, so it has very much the same effect. One of the things that I do when I meditate is I, I make an effort not to give in to those impulses, those those physical impulses that I have, like like to scratch an itch or to swallow. Um, it, it sounds weird to say, but but you'll notice if you're just sitting around for a while, eventually you'll just get this compulsion to swallow because you're getting more spit in your mouth. I try to avoid that. And I'm like, okay, I have this feeling I need to do this. 
I'm going to wait to act on that feeling for a couple seconds. I'm not going to scratch this itch. I'm not going to swallow this mouthful of saliva that I have. And I think that translates to when I'm sitting at my desk later in the day, I have this itch. I want to go check the Bitcoin price. Okay, Matt, what is a Bitcoin price going to do for your life right now? You have an alert set up to let you know if something crazy happens, which is the only case in which you'll actually do something about the Bitcoin price. So um, don't go and check the price. And I'll see that urge. I'll watch it pass. And he'll be like, okay, I'm just going to continue focusing on the important thing now. Yeah. And it's it, it also hits on an interesting thing that I noticed not all that long ago. And I'm surprised I don't hear more people talk about it when it comes to meditation. Um, one of the one of the primary benefits of being that attentive to what's actually going on inside your body, um, particularly when it comes to things like itches, almost all discomfort falls into the arena of distraction at some point. Um, and I notice this a lot with cold. When I think about the sensation of being cold, it doesn't bother me as much to be cold. The discomfort discomfort literally seems to mostly just be the result of being distracted mm-hmm. because it, it, and this this doesn't apply to extreme forms of it like actual pain is hard to overcome this way but when it when it comes to the things that would normally annoy you enough for you to take countermeasures against them mm-hmm. generally speaking you can actually build up mental fortitude against them that is remarkably resilient and again i've been doing this with cold um, in and around my house recently because even in Florida, winter is upon us. And um, mm-hmm. it gets into the, uh, brace yourself for this number, the 50s. So I have to... Oh, no! I, <laughs> so I would, I, I would have to consider wearing a long sleeve shirt. But it's, uh, it's, it's just weird how much of a difference it makes to just consider, instead of, instead of feeling cold and saying, oh, this is different, therefore bad... If I just consider it, this is cold, and I, I consider what that feels like, it, it alleviates a lot of the quote-unquote pain that comes along with it. Do you also think about what your, what your actual tolerance range is? You, you realize, okay, it's 50 degrees. Yeah, I could probably handle, if the temperature were to plunge to like 25 right now, no problem. I could still walk around with a t-shirt for like 10 minutes. This 50 degrees thing is no problem. And then you just go through. Is that something that you go through as well? I don't know that I've taken it quite that far. This discovery is new enough by itself. I'm still toying sure. with the boundaries of it. But it's just, it, it's the idea, and uh, this makes a lot of sense when you pull it into the, um, especially if you pull it into the more cynical notion of uh, talking about this in a, in a universe full of banal, frivolous consumerism where we just, we sate every possible desire and the the most obvious form of discomfort is difference. So anything we can do to normalize difference, we take advantage of it. And that's sorry, totally what, unnecessary kind of, a lot of the time. What kind of difference? Like, could you give an example? Cold. Are you, you're talking about like difference between the desired temperature that you have and what's actually happening outside, for example? Yeah. Cold, hunger, um, conveniences of all kinds. I, they all fall mm-hmm. into the same category. I mean, it's the reason why it's the reason why holding off on eating is generally very difficult, 
even though yeah. the second you get over it, it we we reassigned what and we'll t- this will get talked about probably next week when better health through stake kicks back into gear but um cuz that's mm. this is a major topic in there it's that what we what we um initially feel as hunger as Americans just as a result of the things that we eat um we think the first point when our stomach responds in a way that we can feel is hunger and it's not it's we actually completely misread that just because it's a difference in feeling um and we've we've way way over stereo over stereotyped is the wrong word but basically we've um we've reinterpreted our the signals our stomach is giving us in such yeah. a way that we think we're hungry constantly well, that's that's part of the language that we use around it too. It's like, okay, this this is a feeling which is coming from my stomach. Which, by the way, that's another part of the language. It isn't really my stomach. Somewhere in my inside, it must be my stomach. But anyway, we we call that feeling hunger. So we treat it as such when we call it that. A, a, a similar thing is, I, I heard uh, part of the language that we have around uh, finishing up food is different than that that they have in some other country. I can't remember which. Um, parents ask their children, for instance, are you full? And that's the wrong question. Instead, in that other country, they ask, are you satisfied? Contrasting that from the feeling of fullness, you don't need to be full. You don't need to be bulging with food. Instead, you just need to have enough. Yep. So that's the difference, having enough or, or being, like, totally gorged up. And, and the difference comes from the language that we, that we normalize around this kind of thing. Yep, no, that totally maps with <laughs> both. I, I agree with that philosophically and historically, that that's totally how that happens. So, And I no one is worse about it than I am most of the time. So I, I do a very poor job of not eating until I am full. And the problem, of course, is that I am a very large person, so it takes me a lot <laughs> of food to become full. And that uh-huh. causes problems. But uh, My goodness. But, well, yeah, you're talking about how we have to, like, state those desires that we have. It makes me wonder, are we all children? Do we all need, like, need our pacifier and need a toy? And are we going to cry if we don't get exactly what we we think we deserve in any one moment? I, I work so hard. I deserve to feel exactly as I desire. Well, maybe maybe a little bit of of discomfort can be training so that you don't require as much. And anyway, you didn't require to have, like, the perfect meal anyway, or you didn't require to be in, in the perfect temperature environment. To experience a little bit of discomfort. That'll strengthen you. I, I completely agree with that as well. <laughs> that's, that's one of the first things I do in the morning is a contrast shower, and the whole point mm-hmm. of that is to be uncomfortable for a minute because it renormalizes what you understand as comfort to be, in addition to doing a bunch of other yeah. things. Uh, contrast shower, for those of you who are tapping in, uh, is you alternate between warm and cold in the shower. It, not hot, specifically. Wow. Hot showers are not good for you. You, you should not take yeah. showers in water that's over 100-something degrees. It's, it's, it's really not good for your skin. But the... Um, it... Um, but when you alternate between warm and cold, you you get a much... Not only do you get the initial shock of just being like, oh, wow, this is really cold, which upsets your, your physiology in a really positive way. Um, 
but it just it gives you it gives you a better baseline from which to understand whether something is uncomfortable because especially in the morning I take my showers in the morning uh, you just got done yeah. being in your bed and your bed's probably very comfortable and you were doing one of the most comfortable activities you do all day which is to be asleep yeah. um so you you have to get yourself back out of that in the morning um and snap out of it yep the contrast shower works real good for that I've been doing uh, not hot cold, not co- hot cold, um, or sorry, warm cold, warm cold. But I do the first part of the shower warm, and the last thirty seconds ice cold, um, and that helps me. Like, I, I I have a tendency to just like, oh, this is a nice shower. It's warm. It's kind of like my bed. I want to stay in this. No, I'm done with the shower. Got to get out. I got to experience this cold to push me out. But also, when I turn it cold, ice cold, I. Uh, to, to make it better, to make it feel okay, I dance while I'm in the cold shower. Like, okay, this this is great. Instead of thinking like, oh crap, this is miserable, I like I get all pumped up and excited. It's like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this hard thing. Let's go. And I dance while I'm doing it. Um, and that that sounds kind of ridiculous, but uh, that actually that actually great. verbatim describes about forty percent of my attempts to do contrast showers. I'm not I'm not <laughs> saying I'm not actually saying this like I do all of this every time because um, some of this stuff it is a pain in the ass. It, it it is actually hard to compel yourself to do things that your body doesn't want you to do. I mean, your body doesn't want to be cold, uh, but that's that's it's a mental exercise. It's a use of willpower yeah, to do yeah. this. Um, and and exactly. if for people who just want to get started on it, just ending your shower on cold is definitely the way to go. You should never end a shower on warm. It's one of the simplest short-term versus long-term payoffs you'll make all day, is that if you end a shower on cold, uh, you don't feel like shit when you get out of the shower, because it makes mm-hmm. the room outside the shower feel warmer. Yes, exactly. That That's, that's the kind of thing that pushes me out of the shower. It's like, it's it's not crappy to get out of the shower. Instead, it's nice to get out of the shower because yeah. it's so cold in there. <laughs> yeah, no, it helps. But no, I absolutely I do. And, and, I do and the it's counterintuitive. People are like, oh, why would you do that to yourself? And I I counter the question like, no, you you got it backwards. Like I'm making the room nicer. You're making the room crappier <laughs> by doing it your way. Um, but but it's counterintuitive. Oh yeah, no. Well, it, it's just a slight bit of delayed gratification. And, of course, at the end of the day, that's what the schemas really are, is an attempt to, <laughs> an attempt to systemize delayed gratification. So, and, Yeah, and, and we, we need to systemize that because that is not what we're wired for. We're wired for right now. I want that pacifier yep. this instant, but I'm not a baby, so I'm not going to do that. I don't know. I kind of want to buy a pacifier. <laughs> but it's not yeah, on. I, I don't even know where to get one. I'm I'm sure Amazon can accommodate. Probably, probably just Amazon. Yeah. Same same hour shipping. Same yeah. But it's not on same the table, so I can't spend money on it. So unless it's free with Amazon Prime, which um, would be an amazing, amazing perk for them to throw in <laughs> to Amazon Prime. Oh wait a second. So so this is a good point. When when does the table get modified? So, so when can you add to it? Do you do, you do so while you're um, in the night shift? Um, does that happen like at the end of the week, at the end of the month? 
Um, it, it needs to be flexible enough that I can change it on a daily basis because some of the objectives okay. will get finished earlier than that. I mean, the only thing the only thing that is really required for a goal to be a goal is that it needs to take longer than a half an hour because if it takes less than half an hour, it it technically falls under um, keeping the roof up. It falls under the tenet of mm-hmm. keeping the roof up. Um, it it just needs to be long enough to justify having at least one shift of undivided attention. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how I want to handle that. I I know that I want the evening shift to be the primary place the thing that ideas move around and for that matter get added. Yeah. But I I don't know that it will necessarily be the law that that's the only place it happens. Uh, it'll be the place that's most conducive to it, just because that's when I do my blow by blow journaling and I and I'm doing my full-scale attempt to step back occurs during the evening shift. So that's probably when it'll happen, uh, but that's not written in stone anywhere. Okay. Um, well, well, yeah, I mean, one of my concerns is, for instance, if you get the, the temptation to go and... I'm just going to use purchasing something as an example, but it can be broader than that. So during the day, you get the urge to buy something, can you just write it down on the table at that moment and say, like, oh, well, there it is. It's on the table now. I can, now I'm allowed to spend some of my discretionary funds on that. Yes, but I would have a hard time mapping out the... It would be, a hard, it would be hard for me to systematize the goal in such a way that it would be allowable on the table. There, it's, and that is, that's certainly, I, I agree, that's a loophole to some extent. Um, that comes with that comes with it being a slightly intuitive system. It's not uh, mm-hmm. it's not as rigorous in some ways that way. I mean, if but I want to, there wanted, is if, a if, hurdle if, to jump over. There, there's a hurdle to jump over, which is that you have to write it down. So, so if you get the urge to go and like I don't know, buy a new 32 GB SD card, like oh, I need to do this for whatever reason. Uh, you can't. You cannot just go and like buy it right away. Instead. You do have to write it down on the table. You do have access to the table to, okay, this is why I'm going to do it. So there is that little hurdle that you have to jump over. Exactly. That's that's kind of the idea. And the um, it, okay. again, by the time by the time I get done systematizing it in such a way that I have the one to three underlying motivations, I have a map tracking backward from the goal of having it to a first step, and I throw the allocation of time and money into it, I will have put enough consideration into it that I think that will deter me from most stupid purchases. Okay. Fair enough. I don't know that for sure. I mean, this this could very well, well be that's, that's, a, a rubbing point. but And we don't have all the answers right now. we got to test. That's fine. Yep, absolutely. Um, speaking of things to test, so, so you and I have been doing this thing where if... If Matt fails, Matt pays David money for that failure, and vice versa. And I told we we talked earlier about how I I sort of am developing a problem with this because the goals are not aligned. Um, and I wanted I wanted to to try and align the goals. I wanted to make it so that if I fail, then something. Well, if you fail, then something bad happens to me, for example. So we're both on the same team. And here's, here's what I want to suggest. And, and you can think about this. You can think about this at, like after this call, and then we can talk about it again later. But sure. what I'm proposing is I talked about my points system that I'm going to have for the next three weeks. 
Like, I need to get a certain number of points each day from things like flossing, from writing my blog post or, or working for 30 minutes on it, by being in bed by, by 10, reading 45 minutes, and so on. So I've got to hit these. I've got to get a certain number of these points. And if I don't, then what I'm proposing is that I spend your money on something and vice versa. If you fail, then you spend my money on something be it on like donating it to an anti-charity, lighting it on fire, um, and so on. So, so what I'm proposing is that I will put up $100 to put in like my money into your pocket so that if you fail, you have to spend my money away. And then at the end of the month, you give me back whatever is left and vice versa. Okay. Hmm. Um, so in other words, like if, if you fail a certain number of times, and it's like, all right, sorry, Matt. I only have I only have seventy five more seventy five of your original hundred dollars to get back to you. So again, don't don't say yes or no right now. Maybe maybe let's let's think about the implications of this kind of system and and just take that idea and see where we can go with it. But um, that's that's the alignment of goals, or well, alignment of incentives idea that I have. Okay. And I'm willing, I'm willing to put up a uh, hundred dollars into this fund. And, and if, if I end up losing a hundred dollars due to your failures, so be it. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to sort out the details, but some amount of accountability as we learned from a while back is very important. And uh, for those of you mm-hmm. tapping in from home, um, if you're going to do something like this, find find a partner because it helps quite a bit with a lot of it. It gives, oh, you, gives you someone to bounce ideas off of. It gives, it gives someone an excuse to motivate you, which is one of, those, it's one of those strange things that you run into a lot is that people want to be useful, but they don't know how to be useful. And this gives mm-hmm. someone a wide open berth to motivate you. And if they're a decent friend... They want to do that, so this ends up being a, a general win all around. Yeah, that's right, and that's that's one of the things I think that I realized in October of last year, maybe a little earlier than that. I was focusing so much on myself, but then I realized, hey, other people are trying to do stuff too, and I need to get out of my own head, and I've got to I've got to go help someone else out. And by by reducing that focus on myself, it actually made my own performance better. That's one of those back word things about life in general, but that's that's the rules. That's how it works. That's the game we're playing. So there we go. Yep. And now here we are. Here we are. Living the dream or whatever. Me in the grocery store, you on, on the couch. Yep. You're going to sh- go get on the table in a while. Yep. Although, actually, today might be break well, day. I maybe not physically. I, I, I think today gets to be break day since I had a late day at work. It probably makes sense to oh, yeah. slough off today. I didn't mention that. Yeah, uh, that yeah. once, a week, once a week, I will designate a day that is a break day because otherwise I will go entirely crazy. So Yeah, that's, that's something that, that I have not actually explored in the past, um, doing, doing like a break day or cheat day on these things. Um, and that's that's something that I like to experiment with a little bit more um, do, doing doing cheat days. I've got some um, initiatives I'm not ready to talk about yet that uh, 
that that seemed pretty like restrictive, and I don't know if they'll succeed unless I have some kind of cheat day. Um, so so that could be a good thing to explore. Yeah, it it's the cheat day. The only problem with the cheat day is it's in its name, which is that it encourages you to cheat. But um, if you can if you can figure out how to program for that in an intelligent way, which I'm not about to suggest that I have. I mean, just giving myself a day off from this stuff a week doesn't... I don't know that that's necessarily the right way to go about it, because to some extent I think it might make more sense to just develop a schema that is simple enough, robust enough, and yet flexible enough that I don't need to change it once a week to adhere to it. I would rather have something mm-hmm. that I can actually just do all the time. Um, so, so do you maybe want to use February to like keep iterating and then say, all right, March, we're going. We're doing 31 days, no changes. We're just going to go. I mean, that's that's one thing that we could do too. We could try that. I mean, I, I've been I've been iterating. The only reason I haven't been iterating on the bag and chip scheme in January is because I was in a bipolar trough in January that was deep enough that I was just not, I was not, it wasn't that I was being unproductive, but there was no way my productivity could be aimed in the way that these schemas require. So that just totally fell off. I expect to keep iterating on this stuff. There's a reason, there's a reason there's a whole page on on the machination log devoted to schemes of the day. Um, It's because I come up with these things all the time. And iterate on them, and that's uh, once once I get home, I'm going to go take a peek at that. Yeah, a lot of the detail on it is lifted from Bag and Chips too, which is fine because I wrote that, mm-hmm. so I'm okay stealing sure, all that. Sure. So yeah, it seems like we've uh, we've got some some good stuff here. Um, just keep keep working on this. Keep uh, reporting to one another. You got to let me know about how you feel about the uh, the parallelization of incentives here instead of the anti-parallel thing that we've been doing. Let me know what you think about that $100. Yeah, i got to f- come up with creative ways to destroy $100. Sure. So, so keep thinking about that, and we'll, we'll talk again about that in the coming days. All right. But, yeah, I'm going to, uh, to go do whatever nonsense of the DMV here. <laughs> um, probably just read a book for most of the time. And then, yeah, get on with my day, I guess. What are you reading? Uh, I'm reading The Black Swan by uh, Caleb. Yes. Sim yep. Did Andy Fragile make any more sense by the end of the book? Um, I stopped reading it because I want to I wanna go through The Black Swan first. Um, kind of do his trilogy in order, I guess. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to go take off and, and get that done now. All right. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, but, then. Yeah, David. Well, thanks a lot for checking. I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Good morning, Matt. Bye-bye. <laughs>